What do you think of when you hear the word golf? No, not that. golf. We talked about that in Sunday school. When you hear the word golf, what do you think about? Some the Irish would say. Some the Irish would say. That's why I go for vacation. Go down to the golf. Did you know that Jesus used the word golf in Luke 15, verse 26? There was a rich man who died. He woke up in hell. And he looked over yonder and he could see a place known as Abraham's book. And guess who he saw? The beggar who used to eat crumbs that were discards from his table. He was comforted. The rich man, we should say the former rich man, was devastated. And he's thinking about, you know, maybe we could, maybe we could. And Abraham says to that man, beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. There's a gap. You can't jump over it. Wishful thinking won't get you there. It bars a way to mediate between the two. Now, I've been in some classrooms, and not always were those instructors and not only not always were those curricula sympathetic to a Christian worldview. I'll be blunt. There are people out there who think we're a bunch of idiots for believing this book. Did you know that? They think we're just a bunch of ignoramuses. Well, I don't blame to know everything, but I know that God has said some great things in His Word. Amen. And I want you to look at three scriptures as we start. This first one should be real easy. Now, this young man just got him a brand new Bible and asked him if he'd start breaking it in. And he said he had. So, Sky, I hope you've read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Did you read that one yet in your new Bible? Y'all know what that says? Say it with me if you know it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why would God start his Bible off with that? Very important. Everything else follows from that. Now, <clears throat> well, Jeremy, I gave you two verses, but there's actually one that snuck itself into my mind as we were singing that Psalm 148. Psalm 33 verse 6 is, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. You know how this universe has come into existence? God spoke it into existence. He said, Be! And it was. He didn't say, I'm trying I sent off for a package. It's supposed to be a universe by yourself kit. No, no. He spoke it into existence. 
If you hear the word Fiat, you might think of an Italian sports car, but Fiat, before the Italians came up with a car, Fiat is Latin for to speak it into existence. Now you and I can say, let's pretend. But God doesn't pretend. When He says it is so, just exactly when, where, why, and how He wants it to be. By the word of the Lord, with the heavens made and all the hosts of them, by the breath of His mouth. And Hebrews chapter 11. They all say the same thing in a different way. Hebrews 11, look at verse number 3. Through faith we understand. Some people say, well, I've got the smartest scientists. I've got some authoritative textbooks. I have the collected opinion of all this scholarship. And based upon that, I'm going to make this statement. That sounds pretty good to some people. But you know why we believe Genesis 1-1 and all the rest of it? It's by faith. You can't say, well, I experienced it. Were you there when God spoke the world into existence? No. We have God's word for it. And we believe it. It is so. God has said it. And that settles it. By faith, we understand that the worlds were afraid. By the word of God. The elements that he called into existence did not resist his will. Some people think God's a pushover. They can have whatever they want, any way they want it, just because they can resist God. None has resisted his will. From the simplest atom of hydrogen to the most complex of things that exist. So the things are which are seen were not made of things which do appear. God did not take some pre-existing material and improvise. You know, they used to have this TV show, MacGyver. He could take a piece of string and a piece of bubble gum and make a nuclear reactor or something like that. Well, it wasn't quite that extreme, but it seemed like it sometimes. But God didn't even start with a piece of string. He didn't even start with a piece of bubble gum. Now I asked you about gulps because when we see what God says about the universe in which we live, there's all kinds of explanations that men are so glad to offer. But they are bogus. We need to get, like some of our friends in the world say, the real deal. There are great gulfs. You can't bridge the gap. There is no middle ground. Either God spoke it into existence and God maintains it by His will, by His decree. Paul told the Colossians, all things consist because of Him. You know why your body doesn't disintegrate? God's pleased for it to stay together. So we sure was lucky. No. No. Give God it's not good luck, it's good Lord. We have a great God. The God who made us, the God who maintains us. 
We were curiously formed within the wombs of our mothers. We came forth, and we just take it for granted. Baby pork, you know, two arms, two legs, be able to see, be able to hear, be able to do all those things. We thank God for our physical capacities. Even the heathen owe a debt to God that they cannot repay. I want you to know that this world... Now, sometimes people talk about the theory of this and the theory of that. Well, the intelligentsia said, you know, really, it's better to say the model. A way to explain. How do you explain how things came to be and how it is that they still are today? You have the model that man has come up with. We sometimes call that evolution. And then we have creation. You know, as a kid, I watched this movie, The Creature, called The Black Moon. Ooh, spooky thing coming out of the swamp, you know. Going to grab you and pull you into the swamp or whatever. But uh, the Bible says we are his creatures. Did you know that? If you're a child of God, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. When we look at what the world calls nature, it'd be better for us to call it creation, I think. It disproves these silly ideas. Mr. Spurgeon once said, commenting upon the propositions that were put out there, this is the bubbles go on bursting. Men have always had a problem with God being in control. Men have always wanted a challenge. They'd come up with an alternative religious system. They'd come up with an alternate, they would call it reality. Because they said they'll laugh at us for supposing that out of nothing God made things. Well, when we say faith, as we read in Hebrews 11 and 3, by faith we understand. Now, if I took you into a laboratory and I said, I want you to see what this biochemist can do. I want you to see what this geneticist can do. I want you to see what this physicist can do. That might amaze us. But they could not have, they could not know, they could not do except God made those things and placed an order within them. The things that we take for granted were ordained of God. Three things I want you to think about. It's the big word, so hold on. There are two laws of thermodynamics which sound pretty important. Well, Turn with me, please, to 2 Timothy, chapter 3. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. I told Brother Kenny that uh, something in his lesson may be useful. I think we have the same editor, Brother Kenny. A lot of times, say with you, but again. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Verses 7 and 8. Here is what 
God says about the worldling who dismisses him. Wednesday night, we talked about Psalm 14.1. The fool has said in his heart, there's no God. He doesn't want to acknowledge God. God had nothing to do with it. When Charles Darwin, who flunked out of divinity school, by the way, when he decided to try to get evidence for his theory, he said, I'm not saying that God doesn't exist. I'm just saying we don't need God to explain how things came to be. So instead of God, it just happened by natural selection. You roll the dice enough times and what you see is what you get. Just give it lots of time and lots of chances. Well, there were a couple of fellows in the days of Moses. They were big shot magicians working for Pharaoh. And they're the ones talking about it here in verse 8. But first let's read 7. It talks about this world ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Man takes a little bit and he thinks he knows it all. It reminds me of the story of the six men from Hindustan. I think it was um, Kipling talked about these six blind men and they'd never been introduced to an elephant. And the first one felt the trunk. An elephant, it's this large, flexible thing that can grasp. And another one felt the ear. It's this big, flat thing. Bigger than my face. That's what it is. Another one felt the leg and said, no, it's this round thing like a tree trunk. Another one felt the tail and said, no, it's this rope-like thing that hangs down. And Ellen felt the tusk and said, no, it's a smooth thing that comes to a point. And then there was six, I forget what the other one supposedly appreciated. And every one of them had just one facet about the elephant. But because they were blind, they thought they had a description of the elephant. Every one of them was right as much as they could appreciate. But they were all flat wrong. The elephant is more than just those many elements. And many times that's how people, they're trying to compile facts. I want you to know something. Uh, this magazine, uh, anybody who's interested in getting it, it's called Acts and Facts. They will send it out to you for free. It's all about creationists who have said, we're going to look at the evidence. I want you to, there's no such thing as a creationist fossil or an evolutionist fossil or fossils. Any more than if I draw three on a chalkboard, it's not my three and somebody else's three. Three is a, a concept. It's one more than two, one less than four. And no matter what, you might make three marks. Or make a three or do something else. But the concept of, of threeness. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jays and Jambres, those are those two wise guy magicians in Pharaoh's court, 
withstood Moses, the people like that back then, and there are a lot of folks like that today, they laugh at us rubes who suppose that there is a God and that he had a purpose and a pleasure and that he spoke things into existence. They think it's a bunch of hooey. Or they might put it even more crudely. Now as Janice and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds. There's that word reprobate again. Reprobate concerning the faith. The laws of thermodynamics. Well, when these were compiled by thinking scientists, they said there are certain things that are givens. They are constants. No matter where you are, no matter the time of day or the temperature or anything else, there are some things that you can always rely upon. They are so. Well, be turning with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Where you see the second law of thermodynamics is summarized in the word we call entropy. You ever heard that word entropy? It means that everything about us is wearing down. Wearing away. You buy some nice clothes, and after a while, they're not so nice. I had an opportunity to buy my dear wife a $2,000 fur jacket for $99. I said, I can do that. And she'd sit in church. We had just had the two girls in on cold nights. One of them would on one side. One of the other. They loved that fur coat. Boy, that was really something. We hung it in the closet. We didn't have it treated. We didn't have it hung away in a special storage. And after a while, Mr. Bugs got a hold of it. I think we read something about that in Sunday school, didn't we? Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. You buy a sharp looking vehicle, it looks good, it sounds good, it rides good, oh, it's fantastic. But you know what? After a while, it's probably going to wind up in the junkyard. It's going to rot. It's going to rust. The tires are going to get all mushy. The chrome will become pitted. It'll, it'll conk out because of this thing we call entropy. Things are wearing down. Things are winding down, wearing away. These things happen. As I said in the book of Hebrews, look at the blaze of the first chapter. What's going to happen to this world? There is a day coming in which this world will be no more. It's all going to be folded up. Just like an old piece of cloth. Somebody takes a piece of cloth, they say, well, uh, we're not going to throw it out just yet, but we'll just fold it up and maybe we'll put it in an old case someplace, put it up in the attic or whatever. As I said, Hebrews chapter 1. Look at verses 10 through 12. 
And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. They didn't create themselves. Zeus didn't make them. A fortuitous combination of chemicals. That's just a fancy way of saying a lucky mix of stuff. Somehow, life came from non-life. You ever observe that happening, Mr. Science? Well, no. Don't you have a law that says ex nihilo nihil fit, which means out of nothing, nothing comes? If I uh, have this piece of paper, I don't have anything written on this piece of paper. So I lay here, lay back and stare at it. Maybe after a while something will appear. You think? No. Well, if I... Well, it could. Maybe. Nothing. Yeah. What's wrong? Maybe if we all concentrate, images will appear. You think? No. It ain't happening. Out of nothing, nothing comes. The Greeks say, well, at first it was chaos. And then something happened, and then something else happened, and something else happened. Wow! We've got all this stuff now. And we call that science? Science is observable. Science is something that you can document. What does the Lord say here? He has the Hebrew writers say, Now, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of and the heavens and the works of thy hands, they shall perish. This planet will cease to exist someday. You want some detail? Read 2 Peter chapter 3. The old earth, the old heavens will be replaced by new heavens, a new earth. No jail, no hospital. None of the effects of sin as a result. They shall perish, but not God. God's not getting old. God's not getting feeble. God's not wearing down. He doesn't get Alzheimer's or anything else. Thou remains, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. I got some clothes. Marsha, look at you. You can't wear that anymore. Put it in the track. We'll make rags out of that. But I, it was good. We paid good money for it. Yeah, that was then, but this is now. You wore it down. You wore it away. It's, 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 it's completed usefulness. Well, God created this earth to be inhabited, but this earth is not going to be inhabited. We're going to have new heavens and new earth. We're going to dwell righteousness. And as a vesture, that's a garment, Shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. What about God? Thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Only God does not age. He is called the Ancient of Days, but He's the one who inhabits eternity. Now, the true sciences observe what's happened, and they see that as a thing continues, you know, friction takes its toll, time takes its toll, and evolution is one thing that nature is not doing. Men labored long and hard to build the pyramids, but the pyramids have not gotten to look any better over the years. 
temples have been put up, all sorts of things. Species have become extinct. There was a bird known as the passenger pigeon. About a hundred years ago, men used to go out and shoot them, shoot them, and shoot them some more. Well, somebody wasn't thinking too much because they shot, I think the last one died in the 1930s. You can see them stuffed in museums. Unless there's something that we don't know about, uh, there are no more. But new species do not come into existence. None of them have evolved. So we can see and enforce this, this theory. If anything, man is devolving. The same sort of wickedness that lived back in Genesis, we see it today. And until the Lord returns, the wickedness of man, it's going to be on display. You can't breed it out of man. We are sinners through and through. And I'm not saying you are sinners. We are sinners. Let's go back to the book of Acts, chapter 17. Because we think about the origin of life. You know, that's, that's the big rub. When we were living in the Little Rock area, went to a, went to a debate. Christians and evolutionists. And the first question from the Christians was, we have one question for you before you answer anything else. How did life come into existence? And these fellows, with all their education, all they could do was say, well, we don't know. Basically, we don't care because it's here. So we're going to take it from there. Something, sometime, somehow, came into existence, and everything else was developed after that. People said, well, how do well, it was a, it was a big bang. Well, what caused the bang? What's the stuff that banged, if you will? What direction was there? What was the purpose? Was there any mind behind it? You see, the evolutionist says, there's really no purpose. It just happened. W. Criswell wrote a book, Did Man Just Happen? Sometimes we catch ourselves talking that way. In Acts chapter 17, look at verses 24 and 25. This is Paul. He's standing on Mars Hill. And there at Mars Hill, they had a place called the Areopagus. And this was the place where they had an open mic, if you will. We'll get a microphone. They had an open forum. They say, if you have something new, you've been coming down the roads, and I'm going to stop off there and have it. I'm going to tell them about this new idea. And Paul got up. And he told them what to them was a new idea. And I could just see that audience listening very carefully. And it seems like most of them were with him until he got to the resurrection from the dead. And that was the great divider. There was no middle ground. Either you said, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Or you're like some who said, we will hear you again of this matter. But... Uh, not quite the end of the chapter. Look at verses 24 and 25. Because Paul, when he got up, he said, you know, there's not a shortage of religion around here. You got a little statue over here, and you have a little place of invitation over there, and you got all kinds of gods. 
And just in case you left one out, you got one there to the unknown God. I'm going to tell you about the unknown God. He's not unknown to all of us, but He is known by me. And I'm here to tell you about the unknown God. I'll bet they will really listen. God that made the world and all things therein. See, some of these people, they followed the Olympian gods, Zeus and company. According to the Greek understanding, Zeus and his family, they were the third generation of gods. Before them were the Titans. Before them was Mother Earth and the Father Sky. According to them, Zeus and all of his kinfolk came into existence after the world was already here. They inherited this universe. So there's some things they didn't know. There were some things that predated them. They were not immortal. Invisible, the only wise God. God that made the world. I'm talking about the real God here. Not some make-believe God or gods. God that made the world, all things there, and seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth. Well, it's not in temples made with hands. When Solomon dedicated the temple, he said, Now, Lord, we've built this thing to honor you. But let's face it. We couldn't build a house that you would squeeze into and say, okay, all of me is in this. Because the heaven of heavens could not contain you. We need a greater view of God. You have a little wimpy God. You have a little God you can put in your back pocket, take him out of his case and show him all. See, my God, you know, put him away. Now I'm going to do it through him. That's the way some people are. Neither is worship of men's hands as though he needed anything. Sometimes the gods needed Hercules to do something, according to the Greeks. Some people suppose that God needs this and God needs that. Poor old God, he's going to be frustrated if we don't get with the program, so to speak. That's not the way it's worded in Scripture. Neither is worship of men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. He is the source of all of our blessings. Thomas Ken had a, basically it was a Christian school for young boys and he taught them to sing, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures. Here be <clears throat> Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Just four short little lines, but there's a lot of truth in that we need to know that. So how did life begin? Well, see, like men will believe just about anything as long as it's not in the Bible. Because what they call science. Let me tell you what science used to teach not too, too long ago. It was believed that if you went to a horse, now don't do this, kids. Don't go out on the farm tomorrow and try it. But it was believed one time, if you pull a hair out of a horse's tail, put it in a pond, it'll turn into a worm or a snake. This is fall. We see a lot of leaves falling. It was believed that if you took some old leaves that had fallen off a tree, dropped them in a pond, woo, they turned into frogs. We call that spontaneous 
generation. It just comes to be. There was a, a man who believed God, and he had a good mind. His name was Reddy. He was ready, willing, and able to show people something. He was an Italian. And he said, some of you believe that if you take a chunk of meat that's rotten, it will create worms, maggots. Well, that's what we've observed. You have a chunk of rotten meat laying around. You don't throw it out. Eventually, it'll grow maggots. Just, just like magic. Spontaneous generation. He said, well, let's look at this thing with a clear head. So he got three jars. In jar A, he just put a chunk of rotten meat. In jar B, he had the rotten meat, but he put a piece of gauze over the top. And then the third one, he sealed it up tight. And he said, let's just see what happens. They came back, and in short order, the first jar, sure enough, maggots all over that meat. I told you that's what happened. Wait a minute. Look at the second. No maggots on the meat, but there were a few eggs and maggots on the cloth on the top. The third jar that was sealed, no maggots. So they got to thinking, maybe, maybe we're wrong about this <coughs> spontaneous gem. Maybe, maybe it's not true that things just come to pass without any rhyme or reason. And so they started to stick with it. Well, you know, the flies, because I don't think it occurred to them that maggots were actually baby flies, the larval stage. Because the flies would have access to the first jar. They'd get in where that rotten meat was and they'd lay some eggs and eggs would hatch into the maggots. The second they couldn't get to the meat, but they they could smell that rotting meat, which to them is a feast. And so they planted a few eggs on the top of the gauze. And those eggs hatched and probably died of frustration and hunger. But the second jar that was sealed, flies didn't come around. Maggots didn't form. And it got people thinking, maybe this spontaneous generation thing is actually a bunch of hooey. But that's what a lot of people believe. That was what was written down in their scientific journals. I want you to know that the Bible has never made apology for Genesis 1-1. God was pleased to create. And he created such that its seed was in itself. Now, some of you are dog people. That's great. Some people are cat people. That's great. Some of you have both. But I guarantee you, none of your dogs ever gave birth to kittens, did they? Well, we have cats. And we do have kittens, yes, but they, those kittens didn't come from the dogs. They came from the cats. Because God made things with a definite order. A definite predictability. We're talking about gardening. If you go out and say, well, I got some seeds for pumpkin. And you put them out there. Okay, I planted it. And you put the little signs to show what's growing over here. And if an almond tree comes up, what? If a watermelon comes up, what? 
if termites come out of the hole, what? Because after its kind, God created the plants and the animals such that they do reproduce. They reproduce after their kind. So that's how it is that life has always been. And then the last thing, go back to Genesis chapter 1. Where we start is where we end. Genesis chapter 1. I want you to look at me carefully. The last six verses of this chapter. Well, not the last six, but it's verses of 20 to 25. And God said, Let the waters bring forth a bundle of moving creature that hath life, and fowl may fly above the earth and the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters of the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. Cattle and creep. Brother Dan, have any of your cattle ever given birth to snakes? That'd be a mess, wouldn't it? You know, something wrong with these cattle, you know. A bull, a couple of cows, and not that much of snakes. Well, they didn't come from the bull. They didn't come from the cows, did you? After their kind. God made the beast there after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creeped on there after his kind. God saw that it was good. There's an order. There's a predictability. It's not a, well, you pay your money, you take your chance. That's not the way it works. Everything has come about after their kind. Now men have tried to come up with new creatures. And they've taken dog. There are dogs, like a small horse, you know, Marmaduke. And then they have little dogs too. But God didn't have to have poodles in the garden. God didn't have Doberman pictures in the garden. He had a, a dog type. And all dogs have come from them. And no matter how many breeds of dog you've got, they're dogs. It's interesting. When, when we study the vertebrates, you've got the fishes, and then you've got the herpeton, which includes reptiles and amphibians. And according to evolution, first you had the fishes, then you had the herpeton, the reptiles and everything. And then you had the bird. And then you have the mammals. Well, it's interesting. No feathers on fish. If you ever catch a fish with feathers on it, somebody's pulling a stunt with you. Somebody's fooling around out there in that lake and put feathers on a fish. Because fish don't have feathers. You have a bullfrog and he's got feathers? I don't think so. You got a snake with feathers? I don't think so. But yet, birds, all birds, but only birds, have feathers. The ducks that fly overhead, they have feathers. The emu, the ostrich, they, have feathers. they don't fly. I'm glad of that, aren't you? But they have feathers. The penguins, they can swim, but they don't have wings in the sense they fly but they still have feathers. 
and all birds lay eggs. Now some of the fish lay eggs and some of the fish give live birth. Some of the herpeton the same. Some of the mammals. Most of the mammals bear their young alive. There are two and they both come from Australia that lay eggs, but they still give milk to their young. Hmm. But no bird ever came to be and then said, I need some milk from my mama because I just born. No, they're hatched. Now, if they did evolve that way, how would it go from some live, some egg, some live, some egg, only by egg and always have feathers? But then, why would any mammals have feathers? God threw a monkey wrench in the understanding there, didn't he? You have all kinds of varieties. They decided, we're going to experiment with fruit flies. And they took fruit flies and zapped them with this kind of juice. And some of them had big wings. Some had little wrinkled wings. And some of them did this. And some, and some of them made a blind. And some of them made this. But they were still fruit flies. You can't jump. You can't turn a fruit fly into a bat or a butterfly or anything else. You could have thousands of generations and there's still fruit flies within what God has created. Now, humans, when they were little, Marcy would go to Walmart and they'd see Rebecca with brown hair. And they'd see Mary with blonde hair. And they'd see Andrew with red hair. And sometimes women would say, Gal, how many times have you been married? She says, only once. How can that be? Because within us, there's a variety. We talk about chromosomes and all that stuff. So there's no guarantee. You know, you can have a blonde-haired man and blonde-haired woman, and they might have dark-haired children or red-haired children. That's just the way it goes. Somehow in ours, uh, we had two boys, and they both have red hair. That's just the way it is. God was pleased to do that. Could they have been born blonde-headed, if that was God's will? Could they have been dark-headed, if it were God's will? But there is an opportunity. There is a variety within. But there is no such thing as transmutation. The only explanation is that there is a mastermind who has made and who maintains all things. Men will continue to come up with their silly ideas. If they dismiss God, there's no limit to what kind of stupidity they're going to come up with. Now most so-called scientists, they would dismiss that idea of spontaneous generation. But how do you explain? We went from live bearers, to egg layer with feathers. And then we go up a little bit higher and no more feathers and most of them are feathers. How do you explain that? Well, it just happened. No, it didn't just happen. All things happen according to a reason, according to a purpose. And the same God who purposed what he did in creation has a purpose. We talk about salvation. And uh, wouldn't it be good if we had a Bible verse that said something like, uh, we know that all things work together for good according to His 
purpose. Oh yeah, Romans 8.28. It's still in the book. If you live in the light of Romans 8.28, it's there and a lot of other passages that we need to know and we need to declare and we need to live in the light of that. Hope that's something for you to be thinking about.